everyone. How you guys doing? How you guys doing? Welcome to Coffee with Colin. This is an exciting episode because I have a good friend, Glenn Powell, here tonight. Glenn is an awesome dude. You are going to, uh, you're going to absolutely love this interview because Glenn is one of the coolest, most charming, down-to-earth, uh, funniest guys I know in Hollywood. And he's going to be telling us all about his adventures in Hollywood how he got to where he's at, why he became an actor, and uh, he's going to share a little insight about his new movie with uh, some guy named Tom Cruise and the new Top Gun movie that's going to be coming out here soon. Um, but real quick, I just want to say a quick shout out to our sponsors, StreamYard. StreamYard, you guys make all of this happen. Thank you so much. We are uh, excited to launch these next eight episodes for the next eight weeks. We're going to be doing consecutive episodes of Coffee with Colin. So whether it's a cough, a cup of coffee, or a cold beverage, an adult beverage, whether whatever it is, feel free to join me here every Monday night, 7 o'clock Central Standard Time. And my other amazing sponsor is Picticular, my good buddy, Todd Courtney. This is his brainchild, and Picticular will save you hours of sitting in front of the television trying to find the perfect movie for you and whoever it is that you're watching the movie with. And after each episode, my guest will have particular six, which are my guest's favorite movies, favorite movie of all time, favorite movie growing up, favorite actor, all that gets good stuff. We're going to get that, uh, get to that at the end. And, uh, if you haven't downloaded the particular app, just go to the app store or to, uh, the, uh, Google play, wherever you want to get it and download it. Um, it's, Amazing. And I, again, I swear to God, this will help you save a lot of time trying to find a movie that you, uh, you want to watch for, uh, for whatever occasion. So without further ado, I want to bring Glenn on now. So put your hands together for the one only Glenn Powell, ladies and gentlemen. All right. What's up, there he is. What's up, buddy? How you doing, man? I'm doing great. Thanks for being here. We miss having you here in Hollywood. You know, I do miss being out there, but it is uh, it is nice to be out there and be able to go back and visit whenever I need to. So, um, so you're you've been there for how many years now? I've been in LA for all, uh, twelve years. Okay, all right, Actually, twelve years, uh, twelve years in one month. Now. Okay, and uh, you're from, you're from Texas, right? Yeah, Austin, Texas. Okay, all right. So we've got you know quite a few questions to get to, but I just wanted to uh, to let you know, you know, this show is all about. It's, it's all about sharing insight about where you have come from. Have you always wanted to do what you wanted to do? Was it something that you should like fall upon? And we're going to talk about some of the challenges that you face as a professional actor and what you've had to learn in order to get to where you're at. So shall we get to it? Yeah, let's get to it. All right. So have you always known that you wanted to be an actor? Um, I think I always knew that that's something I've, I've always been obsessed with movies. Uh, you know, anybody that's known me for any amount of time knows that I, I carry a camera around wherever I go. I've been doing that since I was a kid. I talk about movies, even when I go to see a movie with people that don't really care about movies. All I want to do is talk about the movie afterwards and what was great, what was not great, like what, you know, what it could have been, whatever that is. Um, I so just, you're a guy when like when people are watch, when I when I watch a movie and people are like asking me questions or they start bringing up something we're like oh yeah I would you know if there's 
a store or something in the movie and that, oh, remember they start talking, I'm like, shut up, I'm watching the movie. I want to pay attention. Are you that guy too? No, no, I'm not the guy that talks in the movie. I, I unless, unless it's a, uh, a movie that we've all seen that, you know, and I'm, I'm even known like, you know, watching movies with friends, I will pause the movie and we'll sort of talk about what, why that scene was so great or why that popped or whatever it is. Um, I could be really annoying uh, like that, but look, the, the reality is I never thought acting was gonna be a workout because I did have a lot of buddies that moved out to LA and then came back with their tail between their legs. Cause the likelihood is it's, it's not a meritocracy. It's not up to you. You don't know if it's, it, it, even if you're Daniel Day-Lewis, uh, the stars have to align in a certain way. Um, yeah. and, and for me, uh, I feel like the stars have d definitely didn't align uh, I sort of had to make the stars align in in a in a huge way. But the fact is, I didn't know if I was going to be an agent or an exec or a producer or a director or something. I just want knew I wanted to be in this town and be in the game uh, because it's again, it's 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 all I've been obsessed with since I was a kid. Okay, but were you? Ex I mean, growing up in Texas though, because uh, I grew up in the Midwest outside of Chicago. I, you know, other than going to to summer camp where we did a few plays, the concept of going out to Hollywood and doing anything remotely related to professional movie making or filmmaking was just not on my radar. Were you, I think you're, you said your mom was an actress, right? Is that right? Oh, no, no, no. Or is uh, that just uh, kidding? Uh, because I see you guys, your family, you guys do some amazing Instagram videos. No, yes, my mom is the, is an Insta, Insta star for sure. Uh, she, no, she, um, my mom and my my parents, my sisters, they get to have like a cameo uh, in everything I do. I always try to put them in there in something. But they're de I didn't I definitely didn't come from an acting family. Far from. Okay. Uh, my dad actually did a play when he was a kid. Uh, he must have been maybe fifth grade, somewhere around there, and he was going to play a bush, um, like a, like a shrubbery. Um, and he was just sort of in the background. His only line was, uh, "Leave me alone until my berries have grown." And he's like, I'm not saying that. <laughs> like, you're gonna say it. And he's like, I quit. And so that was as far as my family goes in terms of uh, acting experience. So I didn't really know a whole lot about Hollywood or have uh, too many connections out here. So it was a lot more of a leap of faith for sure. And were your parents supportive of your decision to go out? Very supportive. That's that's the. I think. Look, with any parent, it takes. I think to be out here in LA, unless it happens really quickly, I think you need mm -hmm. sort of emotional anchor uh a, a, you know whether it's a you know a boyfriend girlfriend uh parents you know brother sister something like that where this town's going to beat up your self-confidence and your your ego and and question mm -hmm. if you came out here for the right reasons or the wrong ones and if it's even possible so it's really important to have a, a great group of people that that lay that foundation so uh the harder the harder you you know you get hit down you know at least you have something to stand up on yeah. Yeah. I've had quite a few of those phone calls back home to my dad, my mom, my brother. And they're like, dude, you've come this far. You got to keep going. Just keep at it. You got to just, you know, it's like shots on goal, right? Yeah. The more shots yeah. you take, the more opportunity you're going to create for yourself. Absolutely. Absolutely. There's, and that's, that's what I will say is without my, my family, especially the, the emotional support, uh, support, um, I'm not sure. I think to be an actor, you have to be sensitive to a degree. 
you know, you have to tap in with certain things. So, you know, I also think that's what causes a lot of guys to, you know, guys and girls to move home very quickly. Um, is it's just it's just hard, and people yeah. are moving out here. They do not care. They yeah. do not care. One more person out of the city is is not a big deal. To them, so. Yeah, I think that's the, uh, the misconception. People head out to Los Angeles thinking that okay, I'm going to get an agent. I'm going to start going on some auditions, and then I'm just going to you know I'm going to I'm going to do it. And I've met so many people when I was out there who I you know I'd go to out or I'd be at like a networking event or whatever. And, and, you know, some new actor and they'd ask me, so like, you know, how did you get on the show or what did you, how did you get your age? You know, will you introduce me to your agent? And I'm like, Oh yeah. So you're an actor. So where do you study? Oh, well, yeah, I was, I was, you know, I've been looking at some acting class. Okay. So you want me to introduce you to my agent who has spent like 20 years. And I don't, I don't think people really truly realize like how difficult it is to even be an agent because a lot of these big agencies like CAA, UTA, uh, William Morris, Endeavor, all those agencies, these guys start in the mailroom. And there's guys who have de law degrees from Notre Dame who start in the mailroom at CAA. And you've got to work yourself up, work your way up. Absolutely. And there's an actor, Anthony LaPaglia, and I talk about this in, in my book, where he was. I saw him give this talk and some young actor asked him, he was like, yeah, my agent, he's not getting me out there. You know, I'm just, I'm, I'm, I'm frustrated. And Anthony said, well, how much do you pay your agent? And typical agent commission is 10%, right? And so the kid was like, yeah, well, I pay my agent 10%. And Anthony said, well, then you should be new, doing 90% of the work. And I think that's the misconception that actors go out there thinking like, okay, it's, I'm going to go to, and even the actors who are serious about going to acting class, I think the big surprise for me too was there's the artistry side of acting, but then there's the business side of acting where I had to learn how to become the CEO of my own business. So yeah. speak, right. Absolutely. Was that a, a tough transition for you? Or it sounded like you were ready to go out to Hollywood already with that business mindset of you were going to just do something out there related to the business in some capacity, right? I think I came out, I think I came out, you know, uh, I think I came out of the gates really, really strong. I did a movie um, when I was 17 years old with Denzel Washington that he directed called The Great Debaters. Um, mm. And it was just a, I auditioned for like a, a small role and uh, ended up, you know, Denzel really went to bat for me. Um, I actually, I actually was, um, at the table read, I was the only one that wasn't cast at the table read. Denzel, when I left the callback said, he called me on like an unknown number and I picked it up and it was Denzel. And he was like, hey, just so you know, like, look, the producers don't exactly believe in you, but I believe in you. I think you can do this. So I'm gonna invite you to the table read. So you just gotta Amazing. give your all, you gotta bring the heat. I'm like, oh, yeah. So, um, you know, this is where it shows that like, maybe I'm a little too committing. Like I wore a tuxedo to the table read. <laughs> Like, like sweats and I'm not in a tuxedo guys guys not all here uh but I was still winning the role and so you know it was all the major players there it was all the, the the biggest everybody was cast and when it came time to do my speech I stood up and like looked directly at Denzel and Forrest Whitaker and Oprah and the whole thing and like delivered um and at the very end he gave me the thumbs up and uh I got the offer right after the table read but awesome. I, I remember, I remember 
knowing that that was a big opportunity in the moment. There are pivotal moments that uh, you either come to play or, or mm-hmm. you, and uh, we're, we're all aware of what those career defining moments are. And, and it's really being calm and confident and, and believing in yourself in those moments. And it's an emotional art. It's not very easy, but that, uh, that moment in that movie really changed my life because I had Denzel's confidence and I had the confidence of his agent to uh, tell me uh, to move out to Hollywood. And it's something I wouldn't have done because I knew the odds uh, yeah. without, without their recommendation and sort of their belief. Yeah. And it's, it's remarkable because some people just have this like innate belief in themselves and their ability. And then other people out there just for whatever reason, however, we've, we've been brought up, we sometimes have these limiting beliefs and we doubt ourselves. Yeah. Have you ever had that situation where you've had this big audition and you, and you, cause I've had where I am like, okay, I know I can do this. I know I, I, I'm capable of doing this, but sometimes those thoughts in your head are like, yeah. what do you think you're doing? This is the Warner Brothers, you know, 40 Warner Brothers executives. And this movie is with, because I, I had auditioned to play uh, Tom Cruise's younger brother in The Last Samurai. And oh, so okay. I was going through this audition process and I was like, this is going to be incredible. This is going to be amazing. And the feedback was always great. But every time I would go into this audition, you know, those, the, thoughts of like, you know, is this the one where I'm going to crap the bed and not get this? And it got so far enough to the point where, uh, they find my agent called me and said, Colin, they really loved you, but they're actually, they're taking the role of the younger brother out of the movie. And Uh so that role is never, is not even in the movie. So these are like the heartbreaking things that happen that you can't control. And I'm, I'm sure you have a lot of heartbreaking stories yourself, but have you ever doubted yourself in those moments where you've needed to just step in and deliver? I think, I think one of the things, again, it, there, were t- there were definitely times in which I thought the acting thing may be a little bit of a pipe dream. I may have to do some other things uh, to pay the bills and to, to go, okay, cool. Like, I feel like I'm really good at what I do, but that's mm-hmm. not what it's about. Like, there's a lot of other people that have to believe in you. Um, it was sort of, I guess it was sort of at the at the time of, I sort of didn't have a lot of represent, I didn't have representation, you know? And so what I was doing was I had this thing called, uh, do you know what Showfax is? Mm-mm. So I, I basically, <laughs> all right. So I basically took this, some guy I found out in acting class, somebody was like, hey, if you want breakdown services, which is where you find out what all the things that are currently casting are, there's this guy that will email them to you every day if you pay him like $15 a month. And... It's cash based. You have to send it in an envelope. Okay. I don't know the guy's name, blah, blah, blah. Right. Yeah. Like, because what a lot of people don't realize is that you can't just go online and see what the industry is no. auditioning. No. And so like what you're talking about is some guy who had access to the breakdown services and then would sell it to people like yourself. People. I myself, my roommate was an agent, so I could see everything that was going on. I'm sure. I didn't have to do that, but there's probably some agent that was like pocketing $15 per actor that he was selling it to. And I'm sure he's yeah. selling a lot of actors. It's a really smart deal. Um, but I bought, I was basically a subscriber to these breakdown services and then, which you can't get legally. Um, and then without being an agent and then 
I also uh, paid for this thing called Showfax, which is uh, where you get all the the sides for everything casting. So all the when you audition, this thing called sides, and that's where you you know those are the lines that you read from. And so I also uh, hit up another buddy who had access to all the casting directors' emails. So when things weren't going well, I basically would film an audition pretty much every day and send them to casting directors without them responding. I'm sure they were never, I mean, I'm sure they were like, delete, delete, delete. But at the end of the day, I did that for a long time, a long time. And that, that was a little soul sucking, feeling like you pour your heart and soul into something. Yeah. You, you throw it into the abyss and it may never be looked at, but that's sort of the game that you're playing. Um, but I think it's, it was that sort of, that sort of experience that really made me realize it doesn't, it has nothing to do with talent. It has everything to like, you have to have a very, cause I've always believed in, you know, if you're, if you're the best guy for the role, you'll get cast. It's just not the case. There's so many other factors involved. Mm-hmm. And so you do have to have a business mind. You know, I was putting, I was producing, I was putting things like little shorts together, um, you know, trying to like, I'm, I would literally try anything and everything to figure it out. And eventually it only takes one or two. Um, yeah. And then, and then, you know, it happens, but uh, you have to sort of be shameless, sort of a, a shameless salesman and, and understand that. Mm-hmm. Um, make it anyway, so you might as well, you might as well make a Hail Mary throw, you know? Yeah. I mean, literally you're out there anyway. What have you, what have you got to lose? Right. Yeah. Yeah. The, 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 again, the odds are not in anybody's favor, but I do think yeah. the best thing that someone can do, and we're all we're all a part of it. This like new organism that is, you know, media. How it's all changing. It's the wild west. It's anybody's game. The the typical channels that actors have to go through. Um, it's not the case anymore. You know, uh, to get on people's radar, to to get the attention of an agent, you don't have to film a small role and then a bigger role and then a bigger role. We all have access mm-hmm. to phones and have access to putting things out there. And if you're a creator, if, if you consider yourself an actor or a creator or whatever, you have the ability to just look, there was this kid the other day that um, he was like a special effects kid out of uh, I can't remember what college, but he said, retweet this enough times. He did like a little um, almost like a ripomatic uh, spec thing of him doing special effects in, in his home said, Hey, re- retweet this a bunch of times, get this to the head of Disney. And it got to the head of Bob, Iger, Bob Iger, the, the CEO of Disney and Bob Iger is now meeting with the kid about wow. coming forward and developing something for him. So that is how it works. We all have access. You just have to sort of think, uh, you know, don't work hard, work smart. And I think this is a, a time when the typical rules and the barriers to entry that actors have seen are, are gone. Yeah. So for someone out there like in Nebraska or the middle of of Alabama who's thinking yeah. about becoming an actor or an actress, what advice would you give them about would you tell them to go ahead and make the plunge out to New York or LA or I mean obviously with with a pandemic affecting the country right now really no one can really do anything and Hollywood is shut down. But once this all blows over, would you encourage people to just head out to LA or would you encourage them to go to school and study theater first before heading out to LA or New York? Yeah, good question. Um, Cause I do think the business is changing so much. I would have said, 
definitely move out to LA. It's the only way probably a couple of years ago. Yeah. Um, and now it just depends on what you want to do. But I think, I think the most important thing that anyone can do if they're is to be around other people. Half of this town is relationships, right? It's, it's the people that I met um, on the way up are now sort of my, you know, my equals and now we're collaborating together and all that stuff. There is none of that if you're in Des Moines, right? You know, yeah. you're not, you're not, you're not going to find those people because there's, it, it's great to be around people that are just doing real jobs. And there's a little bit of Peter Pan syndrome. There's a little bit of, you know, we're in this reality distortion field out, out here at LA. That's not the real world. But what you do find is you find people that are really passionate about the business and passionate about the job. And soon enough, you, when you find like-minded people, those are going to be the people that you hopefully create great things with down the line. Yeah. Um, so I do think that's the great part about being in LA or New York, but you gotta know that LA, New York, again, if this town will do everything in its power to kick you out, it's not a nice town, uh, especially to people on their way up. Um, mm -hmm. But I do think that what it will test is the reason that you came here. Yes, and definitely. One of the reasons, if you come here for the wrong reasons, like the guy you talked about that is asking for your agent's info, but is not willing to take an acting class or put himself out there or really work at the job, he's not out here for the right reasons, right? Mm -hmm. uh, so you gotta be good for to ask other people to take the shot. And yeah. I think the great part about LA is if you're not out here for the right reasons, it'll, it'll send you back into you know, Omaha or wherever. Yeah. Yeah. I took, uh, there's a Hollywood publicist named Michael Levine and he was given this, uh, this few weeks seminar and it was all about, uh, just insight and strategies on how to be successful in Hollywood. And he represented like Michael Jackson and Sharon Stone and Bettner and three state presidents and his advice to us in, you know, these us budding actors, actresses in, in this class was, uh, he said, I've represented hundreds of talented musicians and actors out there. And he said, the difference between the ones that are the incredibly successful ones, like the Michael Jacksons and the David Bowies and that sort of thing, were that they had such an obsession with regards to their career and their success that it was almost as if like a heroin addict needing an another fix of heroin. <laughs> yeah. And he said, you wake up in the morning and you have to act. You, yeah. I mean, it's just who you are. Yeah. If you if you were told you would never be able to act for your entire life, would you be okay with that? And if the answer is no, then then you're this is the right profession for you. Absolutely. It really it's and it that's really what it comes down to. The problem with that though is that that obsession comes a lot of sacrifice, right? And that's mm -hmm. one of the reasons why I ended up moving back here to Chicago. I plan on going back to Hollywood, but I felt like I'd been out pursuing my career for the better part of 20 years. And, you know, in my book, I talk about how I, I did the calculations. I've over a thousand auditions in my career and I've got like 47 credits to my name. So that's a 2% success rate. Yeah. And, you know, a lot of actors are like, yep, that's about right. You know, and other people are like, you only like you fail 98% of the time. How the hell do you keep going? And it's because I just love it. I can't not do it. And that's what you got to have to be successful. Absolutely. I was telling yeah. somebody this the other day is that 
you have to have, for me, I wake up every day and everything I do is almost geared towards making great movies. And I know that's crazy in the idea that like, I go cool. Like, um, like doing like training, like I'm, I'm doing like motorcycle, uh, stunt school. Right. I'm like, that's to be really, really great on a motorcycle to do all those things, uh, in the movies. When I watch a movie, I'm literally borrowing, I'm taking notes while I watch movies. Like when I'm listening to people's stories or, you know, I was, I was with a, an admiral the other night and, you know, I was listening to him talk about some things and I was, he was telling me a great war story. And I was like, could that be a movie? Like, what does that look like? Or yeah. even just knowing human behavior in, you know, in, in, in the, you know, the heat of battle and things like that just help you, uh, you know, be a better actor and, and hopefully a better producer, writer, any of those things. But I, I think that people that check in with, check in with being an actor, right. They, they don't wake up every day and think about every single moment, every waking moment is sort of geared to how to, how being better or making something that audiences are going to freak out over or doing something different or something that's yeah. unprecedented. Yeah. If we're in the scope of how do I take the legacy of all this cool stuff that has been you know made and how do I one up? Like, how do I just take all that, that knowledge and, and make something that, you know, really raises the bar and you get excited about that. If that's not how you think every day, then it's probably not for you. Cause it's, it's mm -hmm. this, this town will make you question your passion. And again, I'm, I'm a passionate dude. I love yeah. it. I was like, I was like, there's many times where, you know, people tell you enough times that you don't have it. Right. Mm -hmm. You hear it from enough people. I don't care who you are, unless you're a true egomaniac. Right. Mm -hmm. Eventually it starts seeping in. Like, yeah. Am I the crazy person here? You know what I mean? Yeah. Am I chasing this crazy, stupid idea? And it's one of these things where sometimes, like for me, I had to remove myself from Hollywood in order to really ask myself or to see for myself if I missed it that much enough to want to go back. And the answer is yes. Yeah. And uh, and it's, you know, I, I guarantee you, you look at any successful actor out there, they will tell you, the the stories of people telling them no that they they can't do it. Uh, you've worked with Sylvester Stallone too, right? Yeah, yeah. So that's a perfect example of you worked with him on The Expendables. Yep. Yeah. So perfect example of how when he was 28 years old, he wrote Rocky. Yep. And how many times was he told no? Like, and like Ben Affleck and and uh, Matt Damon, who wrote Goodwill Hunting, yep. and they had shopped it around and were told. Oh yeah, we won't buy your script. But yeah. You can't be in. They're like, no, no, yeah, we come with it, or we don't do it at all. Same thing with and, also a hard thing because those two stories are talked about so much in terms of people that have written screenplays and then demanded to be to make, like star in them. You have to be such a good writer. You have to, <laughs> you have to like have literally have such a piece of gold where people are like, no, 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 I'm gonna be in this. I've had I've seen a few disaster stories where I'm like. Selling a screenplay is a very, very difficult thing to do. To have something, everyone's got a screenplay in this town, right? And, yeah. and, and stories are doing a dozen, and to make it truly different is very difficult. So to also put that on the table, say, I come with this as an unproven actor, is a very bold move. But I'll say this yeah. with Sly, is Sly is one of those guys that was so inspiring to work with and to be around because there is this unbelievable amount of belief and focus. And he's a guy that, 
you know, look, I mean, he, we, I would say modern, I mean, audiences look at him as like sort of the gruff, like action guy. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's a student of art. He's a student oh, yeah. of cinema. He, Ab- you know, yes. I mean, unbelievable. Like talking with him about shots and expendables, he's like, oh, I took this from this great John Ford Western. And this is why we're framing it up the way, this way. And I'm like, every, to, to other audiences, they're just looking at expendables. But you look at the guys that have been able to stick around. Uh, guys like Sly is Sly writes his own ticket. He knew that it wasn't just yeah. going to be, you know, his, you know, charm or his his face or whatever that got him to the top. He's like, I'm a guy that's going to have to write my own ticket. I'm going to have to write something. Mm-hmm. Looking back at Rocky, no one could play Rocky with the same heartfelt. I mean, the guy's a loser, right? The guy's like not a yeah. cool guy. And whatever that version that was in Sly's head when he was writing it. Whoever else would have interpreted it, it wouldn't have been the same thing. That heart that's right. just Sly wears on his sleeve. That's why that movie's, uh, you know, iconic and became a, you know, a huge, huge franchise. Um, yeah. But but I respect Sly, and it's every I, every movie I ever work on, I basically write down what I call icon wisdom, uh, and and it's basically the legacy of like working with like Stallone or or you know Costner or you know you know, crews or any of these guys that I'm like, these are the guys I grew up watching and studying. I always write down what I took away from that experience after the end of it so that I can, again, like build on it and, and hopefully, you know, pay it forward at some point. Yeah. Well, Emily Catherine Cox here is a fellow Texan. She loves you in hidden figures. All right. She loves your Texas background. Oh good. <laughs> yeah. I made that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, uh, yeah. Yeah. A little sheet metal. Yeah, just just burnt that in with a blowtorch, that little patina, which uh, I tried to do over quarantine. Worked out okay. That's amazing. Yeah, That's so cool. Yeah, but so uh, cool. yeah, Hidden Figures was a really really uh, special one. I learned a lot from Costner on that one in terms of he said basically um, when your career is all said and done, as actors you have like a really amazing opportunity that you're putting ideas out in the world, you're telling stories, and the stories that you decide to tell, you know, this is. Every week, waking hour, you're putting your heart, soul, and ideas uh, and energies towards something. And Costner said, at the end of the day, you know, after you're gone uh, from this earth, and you know, mm-hmm. you still have this sort of nice trail of movies that people can look back on, and you can at least say that you put great things out in the world, or great ideas, uh, great yeah. stories, or at least like hidden figures. I I, I love that movie because it highlighted uh, three really amazing women that no one Such a great movie. And um, a great movie. now the NASA building's named after them. You know, NASA's on Hidden Figures Boulevard or Way or something like that. So that movie, yeah. um, I really think, and, and and in terms of STEM, what it did for STEM and it, and it did for, you know, um, a generation of people, I think that movie puts all the best ideas out in the world. Yeah. And yeah. I, I want to get back to a little bit of, you know, about the, the theme of hidden figures, but real quick, um, I had the opportunity of, uh, actually, uh, going to the field of dreams, 25th anniversary oh, where man. I got to play in the celebrity softball tournament with Kevin Costner and wow. a few of the other cast members. So I got to meet him and dude, this was one of the coolest things ever. We're I'm sitting on the porch swing from the movie field of dreams at the oh, house. Cool. And he and I are just sitting there just, you're sitting, sitting on the sitting on the, the porch oh, swing. Just we're yeah. just having a conversation. I'm like literally like someone please kill me right now because it does not get better than this. We're looking out at the field of dreams field, 
And, you know, my brother was there. My dad was there. We actually got to do, you know, throw a catch with, you know, with our dad. It was, it was awesome. But I'm sitting there on this porch swing with Kevin and just asking him about like work in Hollywood and, uh, you know, his projects. And it was, man, it was, it was frustrating to even hear him say that he had, um, he had shepherded this project. I can't remember if he had written it or if he was planning on directing it. And he said what was frustrating to him was that even with where he was at in his career, and this was like, I want to say maybe like eight years ago, I want to say, um, he said, I'm tired of people telling me that they want to invest in my movie. I've got the script. I've got it all put together. And, you know, these billionaires will invite me on their yacht. They'll like throw like, hey, come to my party. I want to talk to you about your script. And because we've been there, right, where we have an idea, we have a script, we want to like get it made. And uh, he was telling me how finally he just ponied up and put his own money into the film because he was so frustrated about so many people just blowing smoke up his rear end to yeah. like, saying, you know, and it was just to get him to come to these parties. And finally he was like, screw it, I'm going to do it myself. But even someone like that, it's it's like you got to just put in the work to uh, and and really invest and put skin in the game to let people know that you're you're truly invested in this. Otherwise, there's way too many actors out there who who are good, but just um, aren't willing to put in what it really takes to get to that level. Yeah, I mean, I mean, Costner. Uh, by the way, that is the coolest story ever. Uh, playing baseball with, I got to go to a uh, amazing Dodgers, <laughs> great, a Dodgers Indians game maybe uh, with him. Uh, no, uh, Dodgers Braves, and we we had the greatest time. But getting to be at a baseball game with Kevin was that was like a pinch me moment for sure. I bet, uh, I bet. Yeah, yeah. He, but he's a he's a really fascinating individual because I do think that there's. For a guy like that, you have to have sort of an unshakable belief. I think Costner, Costner has this thing about him. I think a lot of the guys that I really respect have produced, directed, and acted, and have tried. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, guys like Ben Stiller, uh, you know, Costner. Um, you know, the, these guys have have really understand filming Sly. I mean, they 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 really do understand filmmaking to to a, a different degree. But you have to you have to sort of like. It's really interesting getting to a point that like Costner's because Costner is half in. He knows the game he's supposed to play. Mm -hmm. Does not want to play it. He's like a true American rebel in that way. Yeah, you know what I mean. He yeah. doesn't you can definitely tell that. Yeah, he doesn't beg to anyone. He doesn't no. want to play that. He doesn't want to. I can totally see him going on a yacht and getting very frustrated by like the idea. Yeah. But know? it's what an amazing experience to be able to work with him. And then of course, I mean three women of that film. Um, did you, did you guys talk about, you know, obviously with the whole, everything that we're seeing in the country right now, black lives matter, that sort of thing. Um, did you realize you were really going to be a part of something that had such an incredible message and, and, and was so important, uh, especially now? I mean, obviously you couldn't have foreseen what was going to happen, you know, what, what we're seeing right now. But I'm I'm really pleased to see that there is more um, there's just more conversation around uh, having people of color in projects. And what we're seeing in Hollywood is even just five, 10 years ago, uh, where most of the actors are 
were you know predominantly white, it's great to see that people of color are now the starring roles in in so many projects. Did you guys feel like you were you were a part of something that was was going to be really special and the and that you knew was was going to have a big impact on so many people out there, especially right now? Yeah, that was definitely while we were shooting that. I mean, that script was incredible. Uh, I was so lucky to get to be a part of that, uh, even just in the limited capacity that I was in it. I, um, you knew that there are a few movies that you that are come across that you go, this is the reason you're in the film business. Yeah, these are the type of stories you want to tell. But they're few and far between. I mean, you see it. The type of the type of movies that you see are usually it's almost like you see the marketing strategy and the business side before the creative. You know exactly what genre it fits in. You've mm -hmm. seen the movie. At the end of the day, it'll make some money in all the territories right. that making money. But it's not exactly. a role. When I read this script, I said, if we hit this target, if this, if we really do this right, this is a movie that in my opinion, is the movie that you can play in schools all over the country. People will watch it and grow up and conceptualize them themselves differently. And that's like, for me, at least in, I know this is like a, a weird thing to say, but like in those dark times in Hollywood, when I was like, when I was like not doing well, I had to look at it as that part in the movie where things don't go well for the character, right? Mm -hmm. And I think there's a great underdog story uh, about people believing in their own brilliance um, that I really, really loved. And I think at least when people come up and talk, talk to me about that movie, it always just makes me, it always makes me light up and it always makes me so happy because when young people can conceptualize, especially young people of color can conceptualize themselves differently. Yeah. Um, and a story like that cause themselves to see themselves differently in the scope of a story what a powerful thing. You know, it makes yeah. you live your life differently. It makes you carry yourself differently in class. It You become the hero of your own story. Um, yeah. And I think that's one of the reasons that I'm so proud of that movie is a lot of people don't get to see themselves uh, as, as the hero on screen. And I think that's sort of the changing of the garden and the shifting of the tides that's happening right now is that you're, you're about to see a lot of people that have been unrepresented that get to grow up and see themselves as the hero of the story. And hopefully that has wonderful residual effects, you know? Yeah. So you play John astronaut, John Glenn in the film, yeah. right? And for those of you out there who haven't seen the film, would you mind just sharing quickly what the film is about and, uh, and what the story, why the story was told? Yeah. So, uh, it was based on this book, hidden figures that was actually, uh, being finished. Uh, it was the, the book was being finished while we were making the movie. So it hadn't oh, even wow. come out yet while we were making the movie. Okay. Um, it's about these three uh, African-American women who were responsible for one of the greatest American moments, which is, uh, you know, getting um, uh, Shepard and then John Glenn up into orbit. And um, and it's 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 just truly a, a great underdog movie. And it's based on three brilliant women who brilliant. knew this like, is astrophysicists, computer programmers. Like these women were incredibly instrumental to the actual space program, which, I mean, it's crazy that this movie was the first time that most people have ever heard of this. Sorry, say that one more time. You cut out. I, I, mean, I said, it's crazy that it took this movie. This movie was the first time that I'd ever heard that these three African-American women were so instrumental in being put 
man into space. Yes. And that's what's so, I mean, that's what I, like you were saying, that's what's so great about, about what I love about acting is that being able to tell these stories and even when we're long gone, dead and off this, this mortal coil, so to speak, that this story, this movie will live on in, in, you know, eternity and, uh, and share something so important that a lot of us never knew even happened. No, absolutely. That there's, there's one movie that, um, looks like, uh, it's, it's going to be going, we're going to be starting shooting hopefully when, when all this, uh, is said and done, all this mayhem's uh, said and done, but it's a movie called Devotion. It's this book that um, I found based on um, these two great men. One was, um, you know, a guy named Tom Hudner. Uh, Tom Hudner won the Medal of Honor. He was the first Medal of Honor recipient during the Korean War. And this other guy, Jesse Brown, who's the first first African American naval aviator. And these two guys, it's this great story about these two guys that sort of came from very different parts of the world, didn't really get along, and then ended up became, becoming the most famous aviator duo in the Korean War. Um, and then when Jesse Brown was shot down 40 miles into North Korea, Tom, uh, Tom Hunter crash landed his plane in order to save him. And for me, wow. it's this amazing story of all the great things that I want to put out in the world. It's Not only is this an epic movie that, um, you know, all the aerial stuff that I learned on Top Gun, we're going to get to infuse in that, uh, which is amazing, but it's also has that same sort of heart of of hidden figures in in my opinion, which is the 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 not only does the moment need it, not only does but it's it's not a moment, it's not a a, a movie about um, all the things that we should do to like you know be a part. It's this stuff what we can do when we come together, um, what we can do when we believe in each other, and I think this movie. Right. Um, again, has all the same ingredients as something great. And we have this great um, director, J.D. Dillard, um, and I'm going to be starring opposite uh, Jonathan Majors um, in that. So that movie should be hopefully shooting this fall. Um, but that one's going to be really special. I think when, I, when it's all said and done and we're taking Costner's words to heart, uh, that's going to be one I'm really, really proud of, you know, when I take my last breath here. That's awesome, man. Yeah. So speaking of... Uh, of having a vision and, you know, obviously we both know what it's like to work with uh, on movie stats where there's literally about a hundred people that are a part of a project for one singular purpose of making this project be successful. Everyone down to the, you know, the transportation guys who are there at three o'clock in the morning and don't leave till one o'clock in the morning. Yeah. Uh, the caters, the wardrobe, the, the grips. I mean, there's, it is an army of people for one singular purpose to make a great project. So at the, at the helm of it all is most of the time it's, it's the director, yeah. right? So I'm sure you've worked with amazing directors and some directors who weren't so great. What would you say is, are some really good qualities about a director that have made them a good leader where you've been like, man, I'm going to follow this woman or this man into battle. No matter what they say, I trust them. I like them. And uh, so I, I guess my question is, what do you, in your opinion, what makes a great leader? Um, I think what makes a great leader, in my opinion, is probably empathy. Um, you know, I, I think, I think a lot of people make the mistake of treating actors like they're 
a different sort of like life form. They don't really know how to interact with them when all they're trying to do is evoke some sort of emotion or lock into something. And, and everyone <laughs> uses like these tricks or like tries to figure it out. And really at the end of the day, you're just, you're just a, a person trying to connect with something that's greater or be authentic in this moment. And, yeah. you know, when you're talking to your department heads, everybody's, I think the basis, basic nature is that everybody's trying to be great at their jobs. Mm-hmm. And I, as a director, you don't need to ride anybody too hard. I think the most important thing is that you make sure that everybody sees the same movie. And as long as everybody's seeing the same movie, everybody wants to be great. You know, I, I would say I've met very few people over the course of this, this business that, that want to be terrible with their jobs. You know right. what I mean? Maybe yeah. some people are not as committed. Maybe some people are lazier than others. Um, some people are more focused on the clock than others. But at the end of the day, yeah. I think we're all here and we're all here for one reason, and that's to make something really special. Yeah. And I think if you're a director, if you can focus up and align everybody to see the movie that you're seeing, um, that's great. I think the thing that the trouble that I think a lot of directors get into is when they just they just tell someone to act action, and then they're not you're not really aware of the canvas that you're playing, and you're not aware yeah. of your own. You're not really sure of where you are. And then that's when people start getting insecure. That's when egos start coming out. That's when, you know, that's when the whole thing starts getting a little uh, messy. Mm-hmm. So I think the most important thing I think a director can do is make really great hires and then just listen to his crew and, and be empathetic to um, what, you know, be empathetic to the, to the plight. But yeah, I mean, I've, I've really had a great fortune of working with some really, really talented people. You know, yeah. and, and I, I have very few horror stories uh, on the directing side of things. That's good. When I was, uh, you know, one of my first professional acting jobs was on All My Children. Oh, yeah. I the uh, transplanted, unaborted fetus of Erica Kane. Wow. So, yeah, figure that one out. And uh, I remember <laughs> I had to go to, so I, w- I was in love with the girl who was dating the rich guy in town, or he, she was married to him. Okay. And, uh, once I found out that I was the transplanted fetus, I stole or I, I took this woman who I was in love with and I convinced her to go on to my dad's private jet. We run out of gas and we crash land on a deserted island and then her husband ends up rescuing us. And so we end up back in Pine Valley and I finally go up to his house to be tell him, all right, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to tell this guy that I'm in love with his wife. She's in love with me and she's coming with me. And so... You know, I knock on the door. He opens the door. We start. We we have our our scene, and the director comes over. He's like, "Cut!" He's like, he comes over. He's like, and you could tell he was trying to figure out some way to give me some sort of direction, which you know it would make sense or understand it. And he was struggling, and then he just goes, "Just do it louder," and then he walks away. I'm like, "Louder? Like what? Like <laughs> the worst piece of direction." Yeah advice I could have ever been given. So I just like, was like, I'm taking her. I'm, <laughs> it was like, ridiculous. Yeah. it was just. <laughs> well, also, also different actors require different things. That's why you really, I think empathy is really important is, is some actors respond to saying faster, louder, slower, quieter. True. That's all they need. Right. Yeah. Um, for, for me, I just almost, it's like, almost like putting it through a prism of like, I just want to know just, just shoot, like h- harness my energy. Like, let me know where I'm for- forcing my energy, right? Where I got to focus it. 
where some actors just say, hey, do me, do me a line reading. Just like, tell me how to say it. And I'll just say it like that. Like, what, do, what are you looking for? Just tell me, uh, I want to go to the store. And it's like, no, just like throw it away. I don't want to go to the store. Like, what, like they just want to like, throw it, like, oh, say it under your breath. Like, are you mad? Like, don't ask any of those questions. Just show me what you want. Just show me how to say it. <laughs> everybody's different. Um, yeah. Everybody's different. So, but that's where I think really, really great directors. Uh, one of the, my favorite acting experiences of all time, which I doubt will ever be topped, is uh, I did a movie called Everybody Wants Some with Richard Linklater. And yep. great it, movie. It's just, it's like the spiritual. I, think I texted you. I watched that on a mo uh, on an airplane. And I, I think I texted you after I landed. Yeah. I was like, dude, just watched it. Everybody wants some. Awesome. And if anyone hasn't seen it yet, you have to, uh, you have to watch it. Yeah, please watch it. It's like, it's yeah. one of the movies. If anybody comes up to coming of age, quintessential, just. It yeah. was, it was just a magical experience because Rick is, uh, a silent assassin as a director. Cause he sits there. We were at his ranch for a couple weeks and all we did was read through the script, play baseball, uh, play games, just get to know each other. Um, and it was amazing. And, and we just, all we were doing was just locking in the characters and finding out our dynamics. And Rick is just observing and watching all this stuff going down. And he's taking what is in the script and taking our characters and, and watching the dynamics that are happening in real time and yeah. writing to it and making changes to it. And we'd read the script again the next day, the next day, the next day. And soon enough, what you really found is a director who wasn't trying to force his vision on anyone. Mm -hmm. the, the, the vision showed itself, like the movie, it showed, it showed itself to him. And what you ended up having was just the most effortless, ensemble I've ever been a part of and I may ever be a part of where everyone he saw the sharp attributes that made everyone special mm -hmm. and 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 wrote to it and the dynamics that already existed and we sort of it almost sort of started becoming a art imitating life life imitating art experience on set in the fact that we were sort of playing our own characters in real life and but it was just the the best time and and that's a director that knows that he was watching how everyone needed to be directed, how everyone, yeah. what everyone needed as characters and, and as people. And, and I think that movie is one of the most authentic movies about uh, being on a, a sports team experience and a sports team culture that I've ever seen because not only was everybody sort of an athlete in real life, but, and Rick was a, a baseball player as well, but yeah. I think, I think he was willing to listen. And I think that's what a lot of direct directors, especially first time directors, yeah. their vision on people, you know, and really yeah. they're not, they're not listening or observing uh, or trying to, to interpret their forcing interpretations on other people. And I think that also has, when there's a lot of egos that are on set, I think it, I think it has uh, really bad repercussions. And as soon as people oh, shut yeah. down emotionally, it's, it's over. Oh yeah. Yeah. I, uh, I worked with Hillary Swank. She produced something borrowed. And when I was talking to her just about film and, and directors and stuff, she said it was, it was nerve wracking. It, it was an amazing experience working with Clint Eastwood. Uh, but she said it was also nerve wracking because he would do one or two takes, maybe three, and he would just let the actors do what they, what they, what their instincts were for the film. He did very little directing, and she found she come came to realize that you know when it was a little uh, nerve wracking to her, 
Um, he ended up saying, I hire the right actors that I know are just going to deliver and are, are the right characters. The filmmaking is in the casting is what essentially he was trying to say. Um, but I think you're right. I think a, a, uh, a great leader is someone who creates that inspiring vision that everyone can focus on, much like a, a JFK in Hidden Figures, where they said in 10 years, we're going to put a man on the moon. Yep. And there was, I think, one in four people in the United States was somehow involved with the space program on getting a man on the moon. And, uh, you know, it was it was just incredible because um, once you have that that singularity of vision, then I think you're right. It's about finding out what the strengths of each individual component of that team is and helping them be successful. I think you're right. You can't tell people how to do their job or what to do. I've been on sets where directors have been doing that. I did a scene with uh, Ashley Simpson on Melrose Place, and it was this intimate sex scene where she's like, she takes off her robe and she's in her lingerie and she's over, she comes over to my apartment and the director is like, okay, you guys start over the bed and then you got to make over, make it over to uh, the, the Island in your kitchen. And on Melrose place, I, I played a chef. So I had all these like cooking gear on there and he's like, you know, just like have fun, just like get up on the, the Island and do your thing. And so <laughs> you know, action and we start like, making out the, you know, the robe comes off and then I kind of you know, like twist her around and then I throw her on top of the Island. And then from the back, I hear him say, okay, now, now, now pull her hair. Now, now, now turn her over. Now, now kiss her harder. Like, oh man, I'm, I'm doing the scene and he's like voicing direction to me on how to do this makeout scene. And finally I just wanted to stop and be like, you want to come over here and do this for me? Like it was, like, it was, it was like he was acting out his his sexual fantasy by like yeah. telling me. Pretty blurry. They have they oh. have they have intimacy coaches for this reason now, where you're not allowed to do uh, sex scenes for good reason because the problem also is I've had a situation like that where, uh, you know, it's like sometimes people don't treat you know, these situations, like they're very delicate situations. You're, you're yeah. very vulnerable. And sex scenes are choreographed. I mean, they're like, yeah, you have my to. hand here. And is it okay if we, you, and, and now there are these sex coordinators on set yeah. right, to make yeah. sure that everything is above board. Well, I'm actually really, I'm really happy. That's a thing because it's always the uncomfortable conversation. I always try to, you know, go out of my way. I haven't had a lot of those scenes, um, but I always try to go out of my way to just make sure like, Hey, like, like, what, like, how does this work? Like, what are you comfortable with? I don't, I just want to make sure because there's yeah. nothing more embarrassing than oh, yeah. a director telling you something. And you think that stuff is relayed to the actress and it has not been, and you feel exactly. And, and then you're, you're clammed up and you're like, Oh my God, you know, like there's, there's nothing worse than that. And and a set should feel like a safe place. And especially mm -hmm. with those scenes, there, there are scenes that, uh, I mean, but that really just sums up the film business in general. A director, you're supposed to be in the throes of passion and a director's just like, yeah. like that. Um, yeah. Yeah, I, my I first there. sex scene, she was this, I was doing this 
horrible vampire movie called Vampires the Turning. Um, it's just, you know, everyone does a vampire movie. And anyway, I'm in Thailand shooting this film and this actress and I be, became really good friends. And we were shooting for about three weeks and then the sex scene was up. And so we were, we knew each other well enough at that point where we weren't like, it wasn't super uncomfortable. And it was like, all right, sex scene. I got this. No problem. I mean, we, we were, we know each other well enough. And she gets on, on top of me and she, the wardrobe person comes over and takes off her, her robe. And then boom, there's her boobie staring me in the face. And the director yells action. And I froze. I could, I, like, I, I was supposed to put my hands up there, but I, we hadn't talked about it beforehand. So I started to do it and then I froze. And then she looks at me like, what are you freezing about? Like, what are you waiting for? And I was like, uh, can we cut for a second? And the director and he's like, is everything okay? I was like, uh, Steph, is it okay if I touch you there? She's like, well, if we were having sex in real life, wouldn't you touch me? I was like, well, yeah, but we've got like 40 people looking at us and like, yeah. we can talk about this. It's not- really awkward. It was way more awkward than I thought it was going to be. Yeah. You, you are my, one of my favorites, um, on, this is not a sex scene, but this is, this is one of my favorite, uh, onset nude experiences. Uh, so John Stamos and I have to be basically, he's now dating my ex-girlfriend on the show. And so I come back and think, you know, she's going to take me back, but she's dating him. So I basically think the best time to approach him to have a conversation about, you know, you're, you shouldn't be dating her is in the shower. Uh, so basically I come in the locker room and I'm, I'm full tilt boogie, uh, out. And one of the funniest things was, was John, who's become a great dear friend of mine was I was getting, you know, and we, we'd only done like a scene or two beforehand. So he's like sending me like, Hey, quick question. Like, are you like manscaping? Like, are you like, are you like in the tanning bed? Like how, what's your workout regimen? Like how, how in shape are you going to be? And like, what are you wearing? <laughs> and, and one of my, one of my favorite things is like, I almost got into a situation uh, because he kept knocking on my, my trailer door uh, asking, um, which, which like they give you like, have you ever seen, I mean, you've seen these where they give you like a choice of, you can wear this, like it's sort of like a, like I guess like, like nude color hair, you got spring, thing, sock. Yeah. Right? <laughs> uh, I chose the sock, right? And, uh, and, and when he kept knocking, he's like, which one are you gonna wear? I was like, I, I really haven't made up my mind yet, John. And, and then he kept knocking on, but at this point I'm about to, I'm in my trailer naked because I'm about to like put the thing on and I, om- I op- open, I'm about to open the door and I didn't realize he was Instagram or Facebook living. So I was, oh, no. I was literally about to just like scare him really quickly. And I'm really glad I didn't uh, probably would change, change things. Uh, but, but we, um, I was literally on set for, with John for, you know, you're basically on, on set for like an entire day, just wearing a sock in front of an entire crew of people. Oh yeah. You know, it's, it's really well to go to work. That's for sure. I heard, uh, did you ever see that movie Sleeping with the Enemy with Julia Roberts? Yeah, of course. So she had to be in her underwear uh, where she escapes the house and she's about to like run out into the ocean. Yeah. And the director made everyone strip down to their underwear, everyone on set, the camera guys, grips, everyone, so that Julia wouldn't feel alone standing there in her underwear in front of everyone. I've heard of stories like this where it's like, whose yeah. idea was that? It's, I, 
No idea. Like what no a idea. bad idea. You know what's kind of a cool story about, I mean, this is past the sex scene thing, but uh, Jamie Lee Curtis, um, when we were on- so You worked with on Scream Queens. Scream Queens. Another amazing TV show. You guys were, uh, you won Best Ensemble uh, Cast, uh, Screen Actor Guild Awards, I believe. Um, maybe they did. I don't, I don't know. Did it, was I? I don't know. I don't Best know. Cast. You were in the cast. No, no, I don't think we did. I don't, maybe, yeah. I don't know, maybe, maybe, I don't know. Check on IMDb. Not for Hidden Figures. I have, we have, we have a SAG award for Hidden Figures. I don't think we have one for Scream Queens. Nobody really watched Scream Queens at the time. I'll check it again. A cult, cult I thing. must have been, I must have been drunk when I looked at it, but anyway, go ahead. I mean, if we won, that'd be Jamie nice. Curtis. Um, but uh, no, Jamie, uh, from her time on True Lies, which is one of my all-time favorite movies, um, she she can walk around on set absolutely barefoot. Doesn't matter, hot asphalt, anything, because she spent basically half of True Lies barefoot, actually barefoot. So she has no feeling on the bottom of her feet. So she's like, oh, the, this, we'd be out in New Orleans, it'd be baking hot sun. She'd be just sitting there barefoot. And I couldn't, I, mean, I don't know how hot this pavement was, but she's running around. Yeah. Um, yeah, she's, she's, she's one of a kind. She's also one of those people that for me represents someone who has, is just the most utmost professional. She sends me texts when at every little thing, if she's seen something or saw an interview or something like that. Um, she's just so kind and wonderful. And she's like, there, there's very few, I feel like this business can, can either enhance who you are or, or, you know, make you kind of a terrible person. And I feel like for Jamie, Bitter, yeah. the it's, I think it's probably only made her a better person, but she's just the best. Yeah. Well, speaking of another best person, I can't finish this interview without asking you about the man himself. And I know you can't talk about much well, about top of, of course. Um, yeah. so the there's no doubt about it. Man. Yeah. And I uh, actually had the privilege of meeting him on my last day of working on all my children. And it was uh, a really bittersweet day for me because it's my last day after working with people in the you know cast and crew for three years. I was now moving on to, you know, I had to find my next job. And I don't know if it was the acting gods, I believe it was, planted Tom Cruise across the hall at The View because The View soundstage, you know, the talk show filmed right across yeah. the hall from All My Children. So I finished my last scene on All My Children and one of the crew guys comes over and um, everyone leaves the set and I'm just kind of reminiscing and saying goodbye to the set because I knew it was going to be my last day. Um you know, there forever. And one of the crew guys comes in. He's like, Hey, Colin, your brother's over across the hall at the view. And I'm like, my brother, I was like, my brother's in Chicago. He's a pilot for Southwest airlines. And so I was curious, I walk over there and there I walk in, open up the door and there's Mr. Tom Cruise surrounded by like 40 people. He stayed and signed autographs, took pictures with every single person there. And then afterwards I waited till everyone left because I had to meet him. So I went up to him and I said, Tell him, I'm calling, you know, I work over it on my children. Actually, uh, just got killed off, but uh, I just want to say thank you for just you being you and being such an inspiration to me, my career. And, uh, you know, it's just, it's, it's an honor to meet you. And he just asked me what I was doing. And I said, I'm finishing up the show. I'm thinking about going back out to Hollywood. He's like, do it. He's like, that's your dream. Just go out and make it happen. And I was like, it couldn't have been 
you couldn't have orchestrated that any better. Um, but I mean, someone like that, you see how he's been so successful for so many years. Um, what was it like to be, you know, working with him day in, day out on, uh, on this movie? Uh, he's just, he's, <clears throat> if, if there is one person that you can select to um, be a mentor in terms of doing the impossible and, you know, in a town that, you know, failure sort of baked into it, the guy has managed to be the greatest movie star for decades and decades. Um, and I've seen, I've, I've gotten to see a lot of different versions of actors being on set. And Tom is a guy who has such enthusiasm about the purest form of film and filmmaking. Mm -hmm. he, he absolutely loves movies more than anyone I've ever met. He will talk, he will talk all day about cinematography, blocking, lighting, performance, um, you know, set design. Uh, I mean, it's just costumes. He's, he's a guy that um, I really respect a guy that's not a movie star for the money. He's not a movie star for the power, any of that stuff. He's a movie star because he truly wants to serve audiences something they've never seen before, have them feel something they've never seen before and give them a yeah. story that is going to rock their world. And I've really taken, um, I think the, the biggest lesson I learned from him is that if you want to do this and do this right, there is no sleeping. <laughs> there is no, there is no, there, there is a, a full level of commitment that for movies to be great, you have to, because you have to be a, a jack of all trades, sort of, so to speak. He has to understand why, you know, this shot works and this shot doesn't. Why this is an emotional shot. You know, a shot from down here is more emotional than a shot from up here, or what a shot from up here says versus a shot from here. And yeah. to understand those little things, uh, there there are a few scenes that define a movie, and 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 Tom has understood. I think that's why his track record is amazing. He has such a a great understanding of, of the art form and understand mm -hmm. that he will never truly master it, but he works so hard to give audiences. I've never, I've never met anyone more, more focused on how he's going to make people around the world feel. And I think that's the empathy that we're talking about. I think it's yeah. that sort of feeling that Tom really plugs into is how are people feeling at this moment in the movie? Like, how can we give them something they've never seen before? Like, how can we get this? How can we make this, the planes get even closer to make it more dynamic? How can we, you know, make this thing feel like the old movie, but give them something even better, blah, blah, blah. He's yeah. just so committed uh, every day. Um, and it's something that sort of passion is something that, again, hopefully decades from now, if I'm, if I still have the privilege of doing this thing, I hope I have that same sort of spunk and, and passion because, to watch someone who's done it. No one's climbed yeah. higher. Um, and, and, and he still loves it every day. It's just, it's the greatest. And it's just really. And he does his own stunts. I mean, it's crazy in like mission impossible where he's hanging outside of the airplane. I mean, I don't know how insurance companies insure his films because he's the, and I guess he broke his ankle in mission impossible and they had to shut down production because he was jumping from one building to another. The guy is committed a thousand percent. I mean, it's what we were talking about. He is, he has that fix of this is just who he is. This is what he needs to do. Um, and I'm not sure if you know this or not, but I think he's, I think I remember him saying on the actor studio that he's never actually taken a formal acting class. 
Did you know that? Did you ever hear that? I don't, I don't I have no idea. I find like, I mean, mind blowing for him to be able to be that in the moment for him to be able to, uh, uh, I, I think he's consulted with acting teachers before, but I mean, when he started, he was, uh, taps was his first film, but just to see him in his, his pretty game on, yeah. you know, he, he had a, you know, he definitely, I mean, look, the guy works incredibly hard. He definitely had a amazingly, uh, when you watch those early movies, it's very easy to see what a lot of people saw, which is star potential. You know, you, you, your, your eyes just drawn to him for whatever yeah. reason. But I will say that <clears throat> if he's never taken an acting class, that's very impressive. But I will say he treats every moment on set like a, uh, a teaching moment, you know, um, and he's very, very generous with his wisdom, but he's always learning. And it's amazing how curious he is about everybody and anybody that can teach him. So um, I think that's the, the, you know, never resting on your laurels, even when you get to his level. Yeah. But um, yeah, I feel very, very lucky to um, have had that experience because the movie's fantastic. And Tom um, really, you know, really got to show me the way of how I, I'd love to, you know, hopefully survive in this business. That's awesome, man. That's awesome. Well, we're going to wrap up here. And what I want to ask you next is uh, your particular sex. This is... Oh, yeah. So I, I going to talk about... Ask Really quickly, what your uh, your favorite films are? These are going to be available on the particular app. So when, when someone's sitting around looking for their next best film, you can see what Glenn Powell recommends to uh, spark your your uh, movie watching interest. So Glenn, your favorite movie of all time is Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid. Awesome flick. Paul Newman, the greatest. And? Paul Newman and Robert Redford. There you go. And what do you like about it so much? Um, I love that movie because every shot is so purposeful. For me, it's like two guys that there are their own worst enemies. Like they're, they're, you know, the, the world has kind of given up on, on the thing that they're good at and they're holding tight to it and they keep doubling down on bad decisions. Bank robbery. Oh, and they're just, and it's just yeah. these two actors that, are iconic and so cool and so so cool. but yeah. for me that's what uh, a great movie star role is i would love to do something like that at some point which is team up with an actor i really really respect and have you know uh, that movie is just full of great cinematic moments and, and great movie star moments too i think i don't know if you've heard this but uh i think paul newman was supposed to play the robert redford character first yeah, and i true. think steve mcqueen was supposed yeah, to play the Redford role, yeah. right? Yep. I mean, it's just, and then I think Steve McQueen dropped out because they wouldn't pay him what he wanted to be paid. I think that's what I read because yeah. I, I read Paul Newman's biography. Um, I'm trying to remember exactly why why he dropped out, but yeah, it was something. It was something to that effect, or he wanted to be like a, a you know, his movie with a side yeah. rather than sort of a, a two hander. Something, yeah, something to that effect. But I always love. Hollywood history like that. Cause again, reading Hollywood history helps you conceptualize this town's still the same game. Yeah. You know, but, but that is, I would say watching two legends, two of the greatest movie stars we've ever had go toe to toe um, in the most fun ways. They're not head to head. They're, it's right. the fun bickering of, yeah. two, you know, old West bank robbers. It's the, it's the greatest. One of the best endings of all time where they both uh, run yeah. out with their guns blazing yeah. at the yeah. end. Yeah. Yeah. All right, favorite movie growing up? Uh, Three Ninjas. Three Ninjas. 
And what was what's that about? I don't think I've seen that one. Oh, Three Ninjas is uh, about Rocky, uh, Colton, Tum Tum, three brothers who are taught by their grandfather, uh, you know, some karate stuff. And then their parents end up getting taken and they have to put those skills to use and go save their mom and dad. Um, but for me, that's another thing that like um, it made me feel like it made me start taking like martial arts and all the stuff where I was like, oh, I'm going to save somebody someday. Like I'm going to do all that. And so I, I think that movie, look, it's not a perfect movie. You go back and watch it. It's far from, far from good. Yeah. Uh, but it's one of those movies that I feel like for kids, it's the wish fulfillment of it's like home alone. If, if I were given the house and some people were trying to attack it, what would I do? And could I, could I save my house? Could I protect the home? And I think those like John Hughes movies and, you know, something like three ninjas is the wish fulfillment of what kids go to the movies. And that's one of the reasons I love movies. You know? Yeah. Oh yeah. Of course. I was a ninja once for Halloween. Who doesn't yeah. like to be a ninja? Three ninjas. Uh, very recently. Right. Yeah. <laughs> what is your favorite comedy? Uh, Mrs. Doubtfire. Oh, Mrs. Doubtfire. That's, that's it, such a great movie. Robin Williams, such a shame. Yeah. Have a, uh, well, that, that, you know, the thing about Robin Williams that was magic is that, I mean, I don't know if there was a situation like uh, Butch Cassidy with uh, Mrs. Doubtfire, but I can't imagine anyone else playing that role. It's like all of his superpowers, you know, harnessed in one character that is just loaded with heart, just a guy his kids and yeah. that's one of the reasons i love that movie is i go you've 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 harnessed you know one of the greatest actors robin williams you know really like his sharp attributes they just zeroed in on it and played it to a huge degree you know it's all built on a lie which always makes every scene really pop and then you have this 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 heart of a, of a man wanting to see his kids and i go that movie just hits on every level yeah 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 great movie yeah all right, this is one of my favorite questions. What is the movie that you're embarrassed to say you love? Uh, Armageddon. Armageddon. You know, it's weird. It's like I've had to stop saying it in meetings when people are like, uh, "What's one of your favorite movies?" I'm like, Armageddon, and they're like, "Hmm, really? Like that's your taste?" I'm like, "Yeah, why?" Movie. Um, I love I love underdog stories on an epic scale. Um, I love I love when you can put you know um, I would say the wrong guy, the only, the only people for the job and it's the wrong fit. Right. And so that they have to go off to space and yeah, like, so the asteroid or whatever. Is it ridiculous? The premise of the movie is a bunch of oil drillers um, have to be sent to an asteroid that's headed towards earth. Yes. And detonate it with a nuclear bomb. They have to drill into the bomb and blow it from the inside so that both halves split past her um and starring like it's got the greatest ensemble um of characters but what what it is packed with is that fish out of water element that's super fun and yeah. you it's just it's bigger than life and it's like it's loaded with funny moments it's heartfelt if you don't cry at the end of this movie you don't have a heart it's just so fun anyway, uh, rosalinda hide well, says armageddon is great so you're not the only one Thanks, Rosa. Appreciate it. Yeah. Back up there. All right. Who is your favorite male movie character uh, and Indiana, or actor? Indiana Jones, for sure. I'll say actor Tom Cruise, uh, Indiana Jones as uh, as character. I actually watched, um, I rewatched um, Last Crusade 
um, last night. So last night, the night before last, and that movie just holds up. I mean, it's just it's just Spielberg yeah. just knocking it out of the park. Every shot is so cool. The yeah. character, I mean, there's just they've been talking about replacing Indiana Jones, you know, like replacing Indiana Jones or trying to like do a follow, like trying to figure That's out who. Man. Yeah, it's tough. It's a tall order. It's a yeah. tall order, and just Harrison Ford is just so good. So good. Yeah. Anyway, that's just one of my. That's one of the movies when I when I was a kid. I literally had a a chunk in my ceiling missing in my childhood bedroom because I had a whip and I would. <laughs> and but that, if there's if there's any character that got me into wanting to be an actor, it's Indiana Jones. For yeah, sure. one of the best scenes in any movie of all time he's uh he's facing the guy and the guy's got the whip and he's doing all this thing and then he just takes out his gun and yeah but <laughs> yeah. well, you know you know actually on that scene they actually thought that was um that uh, this could be urban legend but i was told that they didn't have enough time to do the choreography it was like sun was setting they didn't have enough time to do the choreography they were shooting in a sort of uncontrolled area and that was sort of a moment that he was just like, I'm just going to take my gun out and shoot him. They're like, okay, cool. Okay. One of the most iconic. It's just so good. It's yeah. all just the way he carries himself. Oh, um, yeah. yeah. Harrison Ford is just so good. Yeah. Yeah. And then what's your be- your favorite Tom Cruise movie? Oh, that's a great question. I mean, Top Gun is definitely up there. Um, yep. Top Gun, Rain Man is, is one, one of my favorite days on set was getting to talk the day by day process of making rain man with Tom. Um, wow. That was amazing. Cause that's been one of my favorite movies. I, the movie's just loaded with heart and kind of a despicable character. I mean, the way we got into it is, you know, we were just talking about, um, about characters, like what an audience is willing to forgive in terms of your protagonist and, mm-hmm. and how dark you can go and an audience still yeah. be on with you. And uh, that was a really interesting, you know, talking out his process and how they sort of broke apart that movie. That's an incredible one. Born on the 4th of July. Mm-hmm. Um, Jerry Maguire. That's uh, my favorite. That, oh, freaking. Uh, that that movie, I'm trying to figure out how to find my version. I feel like if I were to go back and make a Tom Cruise movie, it would be like a Jerry Maguire type. And I'm trying to yeah. figure out what that would be. That movie's just so, it's yeah. just a great portrait of a, of a man. Yeah. And in, in a really funny place in life. Yeah, struggling to do what he really yeah. wants to do from that that heart center, man. Yeah. yeah. Well, that, that's one of the things is that uh, I always heard this quote is like, we don't love characters for being the best. We love characters for wanting to be better. And and you know, Jerry's great at his job, but what makes him so so great and so I think identifiable as a character is he's striving to be great even when he's he's do, he's going the wrong direction as a, as a character and, a, and as a human being you yeah. still know he's he's trying right? yeah. so he's trying to be a better guy and you can feel you don't know what it's like being me out there for you it is yeah. a hard swallowing siege which you will never understand wow <laughs> yeah really like, <laughs> Fine, 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 fine. It's like prime Tom. That was you nailed that, man. I'm really sad there was no brother in the last samurai now. Yeah. Uh, you would have you would have you would have come swinging. Um yeah, they uh no, that's but that that's that's also when you think about Tom nailing that role, like that is an 
that is a fine role in anybody else's hands, but it's iconic. Oh, in his, God, yeah. And obviously, you know, Cuba's hands. I mean, he, he came to play as well. Yeah. It's like, so when you, when you really, when you really break it down, that's, that's one of those movies that it could be lightning in a bottle. Maybe it can never, but I'd, I'd love to find my version of that if possible. Well, I would love to help you find that. And I would love to work with you, dude. We got to find something. We got to figure it out. Yeah. Uh, last question. Who is your favorite female movie character or actress and or actress? All right. Uh, my favorite uh, movie character is Elastigirl from The Incredibles. I think that movie is next to perfect. Like the promise of the premise, like in terms of a family of superheroes, it's sort of like the the Mr. and Mrs. Smith of like, you know, animation, like yeah. in terms of when the, the promise, like rewatching like Mr. and Mrs. Smith, the promise of that movie could be, I mean, directed by Doug Lyman, like could have been anything, but the every turn they play into the wish fulfillment of that movie, which is if two spies are married to each other and they've just found out that they're both spies, what makes that dynamic crackle? What makes it sexy? What makes it dangerous? Where's the where's the fun of that movie? What makes it cinematic? And that is what they do, I think, in incredible in the Incredibles. That I think the reason Elastigirl is such a great character is because the physicalization of the superpowers and the and the you know emotional journey they're going through mm -hmm. is what makes that 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 movie really tick on every level. And it's such an honest portrayal of a family and all of our desires to be great. Um, and whether our greatness is behind us or in front of us. And um, it's, it's, I, I just think, I just think that movie as a whole is so, and also just filmmaking wise, watching that movie. I mean, it's so well-directed. I mean, you could frame by frame in that movie. It's some of the most dynamic action you've ever seen. I'm going to have to watch it. I haven't you seen it. Rewatch Incredibles. It's so, yeah. Good. yeah. Okay. And uh, favorite actress. Favorite actress is my mom. I got to go with uh, Mama Powell on this I'd one. Have to agree. She has, um, she's she's actually in Hidden Figures. She's actually next to uh, Kirsten Dunst in Hidden Figures in the Line. So okay. her to shake some hands. Uh, in a movie I did called Sex Ed, she plays a drunk ATM user. She's played a pioneer woman. Uh, she's in Top Gun. My dad is actually very in Top Gun. You'll you'll wait to, in December. You'll see my dad's okay. Gonna be uh yeah. He's he's got a very solid. <laughs> uh, but my mom, you know, we're uh, we're really we're really trying to put my mom on the map. I think I think um, Hollywood will know her name uh, soon enough. And what's her full name? Cindy Powell. Cindy Powell. Or Mama Powell. Yeah. Mama Powell. Yeah, one of the two. Yeah. Well, Powell family, you guys put amazing Instagram videos together. I am. I mean, anyone who has not seen Glenn's Instagram, you got to check it out. It's yeah. just prepare for a lot on the top rest tour. It'll be, it'll be, uh, the Powells are coming in hot for sure. Yeah. You'll just wait. There's, there's a lot of uh, weird shenanigans that are planned for sure. Awesome. Yeah. Well, dude, thank you for being here. We have one last thing. It's called ask the eight ball. So you get to ask the eight ball, anything you want. And the eight ball will answer. Oh my gosh. Um, yeah. So, will Kanye West win the election? Mm. Oh, God. signs point to yes. 
Lord help us. Lord help us. Thank <laughs> <laughs> you asking. Uh, awesome, dude. Glenn, again, thank you so much for being here. Such a pleasure. I feel like I could talk to you for hours on end about this stuff. So we'll have to do it again soon. Let's do it, man. Well, congratulations on everything. And thank uh, you. And you can be my wingman anytime. <laughs>